the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make you his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thanks be to God for his word. Um, Amy's going to come and speak to us this morning from the Word of God. If you have people with busy hands, whether you are old, young or in between, I have a few bits and pieces that you can come and do with me on the tables. This is to help us to listen better. I'm aware both old and young, this is very important. So I'm going to come and be on the tables here. If you want to come and join me, you're welcome. Thanks, Jill. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, we pray that you would open up your word to us this morning, that we may hear you speaking to us and be transformed by it today. Amen. So I just want to say, um, before I begin, I'm sorry that my eye looks a bit strange today. Um, I know I look a bit like a cyborg. (laughs) It's not the result of drunkenness and dissipation last night, I assure you. Um, I don't know what it is, but um, I just wanted to say that out front. (laughs) Elephant in the room and all that. Um, But I I feel fine, uh, just to let you know. So um, this wonderful blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, is a really, really ancient piece of liturgy. Um, And This is actually probably um, the most ancient thing that we've got evidence for in the Bible. So um, this blessing has been found on a couple of silver amulets, which were found in a burial site in Jerusalem in 1980. uh, And they're believed to date from about 600 years BC. So this is a really, really ancient blessing. And it's hugely fundamental to both Jewish and Christian faith. So there'll be lots of priests up and down the country this morning who will be proclaiming the words of this wonderful blessing um, upon the people. But I I wondered, as I I looked at this, I thought, I, I wonder, do we really understand what blessing is? We use the language of blessing a lot. So if someone sneezes, we say, bless you. Um, If we see something that's a bit sweet, we might say, oh, bless. And I often sign off my emails with um, blessings or every blessing or something like that. We use the language of blessing. But I wonder if we really understand its significance, the significance of God's blessing. Is it no more than just wishing someone well? Or is there more to it than that? I was really struck um, a little while ago when I was in town um, and I passed uh, a lady, an Eastern European lady, um, sitting on the street begging. And I I had nothing uh, to give her. um, So I I just sort of, you know, gave a little apologetic um, face to her and said, I'm really sorry, I don't have anything to give you. And she beckoned me over, and she held out her hand uh, and grabbed mine and kissed it. And I suddenly realized that I was wearing my dog collar, and there was something for her about the priest 
that for her symbolized God's presence. And so I blessed her on the street. And I, uh, that was a really profound moment for me as well as uh, I think for her. I realized how, she, how hungry she was for God's blessing, for God's presence in that particular way that she understood to receive it. Are we hungry for God's blessing, as hungry as she was? So if we look at this wonderful passage um, from Numbers, it's got a great little rhythm to it, um, and even more so in the original Hebrew. So it's a kind of threefold blessing. And apparently the first line has got three words in Hebrew, the second line has got five, and the third line has got seven. It's really carefully constructed, and I think because of that, it has immense power. And that's probably what's made it last so long as a piece of liturgy. And you can see the context is that the Lord is saying to Moses, um, say to Aaron and his sons... This is how you're to bless the Israelites. These are instructions um, to the priests for how they're to carry out God's blessing to the Israelite community. And these chapters in Numbers are all about how the Israelite community is to form itself while it's traveling through the wilderness. So they've been freed from slavery in Egypt and they're currently wandering through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And when we read Numbers, this is the point at which they've paused for a couple of years by Mount Sinai, and they've set up a tabernacle, a holy place of meeting and worship, and there are lots of instructions given to the people and to the priests about how they're to conduct themselves in a religious um, sense. And part of these instructions, many of which are no longer relevant to us, is this blessing. And so I think it's good to see this blessing is not just about being nice to one another, not just about wishing one another well. But this blessing is an important part of what it meant for the people of Israel to relate to God. It's about who they are. It's about the fact that they are a people living in the light of God's blessing. That's what marks them out. And then we didn't get as far as uh, verse 27, but uh, it ends by saying, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So in blessing the people, these Israelite priests are putting God's name on the people. They're claiming the people as God's own They're saying, this is who you are. You are God's people. And so if we look at the words of the blessing itself, it starts, the Lord bless you and keep you. And this word blessing picks up on lots of blessings that have gone before in these early chapters of the Old Testament. So in Genesis 9, uh, The Bible talks about how God blessed Noah and his sons. And God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then a little bit later on, we've got a call to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
And then later on still, we've got Jacob hearing from God in his dream. And what he hears is this. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So there needs, seems to be some sort of connection here in these early books of the Bible between God's blessing and some sort of fruitfulness, creativity. Uh, there's this talk about uh, the, the offspring of these people. And then the word keep, the Lord keep you, is about guarding what's there. So not only is the blessing about growth, it's also about protection. And then it says, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And this phrase about shining your face towards someone is an idiom for giving someone your favor, giving them your attention and affection. And turning the face towards them is similar. It's an idiom. It might also imply a king or queen lifting their face to you and looking at you, you know, granting you the favor of their attention. And then finally, this word peace that the blessing ends with, it isn't just a nice feeling. It is a translation of the Hebrew word shalom, which many of you may have come across. It means well-being in the very widest sense. Well-being, not just a state of mind, but a a connected, holistic sense of well-being. So this is a really beautiful blessing. To be blessed by God in this way means that God is opening up new avenues of fruitfulness and creativity in our lives. He's granting us his protection. He's granting us his full attention and love that we might know his grace and his peace in all aspects of our lives. And I think some of the things that people said earlier about prayer sort of resonate with that, the idea of it being a lifeline. This is how God communicates his life to us. I think it's no wonder that the woman I met on the street was hungry for this. And how tragic it is when we don't seek God's blessing, when we're missing out on this. Some of you may have watched um, the film Babette's Feast. Have any of you seen that film? It's a Danish film from the 1980s. And it's about a 19th century French refugee who finds um, a place to stay uh, in, in Denmark with a couple of elderly women who are very pious Um, They've led very religious, abstemious lives. But the the church community they're part of has grown very elderly. Um, It's dwindling. And they're bickering a bit with one another. And the, the character, this refugee, Babette, unexpectedly wins the lottery. And she spends her winnings on creating a wonderful feast Uh, for the people she lives with and for their their community. And literally, it's 10,000 francs um, spent um, on on this this feast. And at first, these women and their friends are a bit reluctant to accept this very extravagant, decadent feast. Uh, But they determine, well, well, they'll eat it, but they're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to say anything about the food. They're just going to eat it. But by the end of the film... This incredible gift 
ends up transforming them. Their distrust breaks down. Old wrongs are healed. Uh, They're filled with joy. They discover grace and redemption. It's a really wonderful film, and I do recommend you look out for it. And when the Israelites were set free uh, from slavery in Egypt, they didn't instantly lose that enslaved mindset. They were so long under oppression that they were used to it. They were used to living a life of slavery. It would take quite a few years of wandering in the wilderness before they were able to let go of that familiar orderliness of how life was in Egypt. And they were then able to entrust themselves to the hands of God, the God who'd set them free, the God who loved them. And I guess that not all of them were able to make that transition. And maybe some of them, like some of us, still lived with a mindset of slavery, like those elderly women in the film Babette's Feast. But that's the choice that's set before us. Are we going to cling on to old ways, enslaved ways that give us certainty, but prevent us from living in the fullness of God's grace, in the freedom that he has brought us? Or are we going to embrace a life of trusting Not in ourselves, but in the God who loves us. The God who pours out this blessing upon us. So this instruction in Numbers is to the priests, to the the Levite priesthood. And as we continue in the church today, um, we see priests as particularly authorized to bless in certain circumstances. But it's really important to note that it's not the priest's blessing. It's God's blessing that the priest is giving. Um, Again, in verse 27, it says, They will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The God, I myself, will bless them, he says. And then as we move into the New Testament, it's clear that Jesus is seen as fulfilling the role of the Levite priests. So the old notion of priesthood is obsolete. Jesus is now the new priest. And then as the body of Christ, we, the church, take on the role of a priestly people. We are the ones who represent God to the world. You may be familiar with the words of 1 Peter. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So I think this leaves us with two challenges, two ways we might respond today. The first is, are you hungry for God's blessing? And are you receiving God's blessing and looking for it or turning your eye away and getting on with life the way that you think is best for you. Or, and this is, or and really, are you, as part of the royal priesthood of Christ, 
able to think of how you might pass on to others this blessing that God has given to us. And Jill is going to introduce how we might think about doing that, blessing others uh, now. <laughs> 